Christine Hydes and I are preaching a sermon series this Easter season called A Collective Murmuration. It is drawing on the metaphor that Julie Danilek and Mignon de Pepe brought us for our outreach benefit this year. It was called A Murmuration of Hope. And so today's sermon is called A Murmuration of Love. These stunning sunset photos of migrating starlings in flight remind us that it is only through collective communal action that we navigate the path ahead, that it is only when we listen to one another and care for one another that we find our way. Their unity, the starlings, and our unity is critical for survival. It seems apropos on Mother's Day that it takes uh, 12 days for starling chicks to hatch, and scientists actually tell us that both the male and female starlings share incubation duties. This, I feel, is a very 21st century arrangement. So the starling mother is not the mother who's put upon or walked over, taken advantage of. She is fully supported in her work of motherhood. This is a mother and father harnessed together, submerged in the task, sharing the nest, and then working to feed insects to the hatchlings, who scientists say are fed on average every 14 minutes. No wonder it takes two of them. And then it takes another 20 days with those every 14-minute feedings for the hatchlings to finally leave the nest and join the flock and be uh, caught up in flight, letting their wings whisper within this collective murmuration. So on Mother's Day, may we mimic this kind of mutuality of the starlings, their commitment to each other as they find the common rhythms of shared life together. When Mother's Day is on a Sunday, which it always is, it becomes for me a time to remember God as a multilingual mother, a multilingual mother bending near to hear our whisper and our cry. More on that in a moment. Our scripture lesson today Uh, offers us this language of Father, which, of course, we know is that intimate way that Jesus refers to the divine. In Aramaic, Jesus calls God Abba, which is akin to Papa or Daddy, the way only a child would refer to a parent. But some of us continue our whole lives using that intimate parent language even with aging parents, to the very last, they remain mama or papa or daddy in a, wor- in a way that no other word can capture who they are for us. That precognitive expression and connection to the one who loved us first, even before we had words to describe what love might be. So this is how I understand God on Mother's Day, the one who loved us first, the one for whom we have always been longing, even before we had words to think or describe such longing and love. So as you hear this, the Gospel of John, listen for the longings of your heart as God raises up to you. 
They were celebrating Hanukkah just then in Jerusalem, and it was winter. Jesus was strolling in the temple across the place called Solomon's Porch, and the Jewish occupation, opposition, rather, the Jewish opposition circled round him, saying, How long are you going to keep us guessing? If you're the Christ, tell us straight out. And Jesus answered, I've told you, but you don't believe. Everything that I have done has been authorized by my Father. The actions speak louder than words. You don't believe because you're not my sheep. My sheep recognize my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them real and eternal life. No one can steal them from out of my hand. The Father who put them under my care is greater than all. No one could ever get them away from my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. Please pray with me. Holy God, on this day, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be holy and acceptable to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In a book published last year, John Green writes that it's been a really long time since someone outside of his own household has whispered in his ear. In March of 2020, he remembers his last whisper outside of his household in those days before the unthinkable became commonplace. He was about to go on stage for a speaking event when his colleague whispered into his ear something, he's not quite sure what, something, maybe a reminder to turn on his mic. The content of the whisper is, matters less than the act itself. Only just now, and only just now, tentatively and precautionarily, does the whisper find its way back into our shared life. Are you the kind of person who whispers? We probably don't whisper over Zoom or FaceTime or a conference call through all the bumbling technologies. We probably don't whisper if we're living alone. And even a two-household uh, family makes the whisper seem a little arbitrary. But John Green goes on to say that he was home one day with his young daughter, just the two of them, and as he was trying to hurry up the breakfast routine and that long, just meditated over piece of toast the way a three-year-old can, she, he was trying to get shoes on and out the door for daycare. He, she insisted on whispering to her, to him, Daddy, can I tell you a secret? And only a person in a hurry really knows that bone-deep desire to say no to such a request. But we all know that we can't say no to that kind of request, so of course he says yes. The three-year-old needed him. Needed him to please slow down, Daddy, and listen to my whispered secret. What, what she said, he's not going to tell us because, of course, it was a secret. But what he noticed was that she instinctively knew that this little piece of information needed to be told up close, close enough for the hairs on your ears to tickle, close enough that no sound need draw across your vocal cord, only air. 
John Green says, whispers are definitionally intimate. All talking is made of breath, but when someone whispers, you are only hearing breath. So that's all I can think of now that I've read that essay is whispers. That's all I can think of. When Jesus says, my sheep recognize my voice, all I think of is whispers. I'm no longer thinking about that big, booming, Don LaFontaine, Samuel L. Jackson, Morgan Freeman kind of voice. I'm thinking of the whisper, breath becoming word, the invisible, now spoken but just barely. We whisper our vulnerabilities. We whisper our most fragile requests, our most furtive confessions. And it is the whisper reply of God, the breath of God, the deep inhalation of the divine in which we begin to know and feel again the kind of safekeeping and protection of our good shepherd God. In this image of the Good Shepherd God, we see the motherhood of God, God bending to hear our whisper, God pausing amid the rush of life to be alongside of us in such a way as to hear, to really hear the trepidations and the fears and the secrets of our lives. This is the intimacy of God. This is the nearness of Christ when it is only some big, booming voice of God, something impersonal arises. But when we come close, close enough to whisper, close enough for God's metaphorical hairs on God's metaphorical ears to metaphorically tickle, then we see in a new way the good shepherd God whose voice is familiar to us. On Mother's Day, we learn again that God is a multilingual mother bending near to hear our whisper and our cry. So let us not forget the multilingual. French-Caribbean philosopher Edward Glissant says that relation is spoken multilingually. In other words, there is a freedom found in a multilingual God. To be heard is to be understood. To hear is to understand. If Jesus says, my sheep recognize my voice, then we must know that the voice of Christ can be heard across the multiplicity of languages, across the multiplicity of cognition, and across the multiplicity of our very being, our own time and place, our different ways of being embodied as human beings. God's voice is heard across the neurodivergent realities of life, the neuroatypical, even those beyond language, even those whose own forgetting has forged a kind of impasse between us, between her and me, there God still hears and is heard. A multilingual God, too, can understand our whisper our pain, our sorrow. And when drawing near to a multilingual God, each and all can understand and recognize the voice of Christ. And maybe this is more radical than we want to admit if we extrapolate this out about the whisper of God in a multilingual context. 
It's certainly a Kenilworth Union Church kind of God, right? We are a congregation with these diverse windows all around us as we seek to worship God that speak to the multiplicity of the stories of God that unfold in language after language, the way God has spoken to people across the centuries, and therefore the abundant ways in which God has spoken to each of us across the centuries and across generations. God has spoken in Arabic and Aramaic and Hebrew and Greek and Latin and Dutch and German and Mandarin and Pashto and Dari and Russian and Ukrainian and every endangered and extinct language ever spoken. Bolo in, Go in Angola and Kua in Botswana and Maslam in Cameroon. When Jesus says, my sheep recognize my voice, Jesus is saying to us that God's mother tongue is love. That God's mother tongue is your voice, your whispered word, barely audible, your deepest longing and your strongest groan of pain. And the translation of divine love is available for each of us with the freedom to choose how we welcome and allow that love of God to transform us. There is no one way to know and understand God, for Jesus is the one who forges that way within and between us, that forges that way for us, and who calls us beloved as we go along. Every person in this wide expanse of the sacred flock can hear in her own mother tongue the one in whom we live and move and have our being. Jesus says the sheep recognize my voice. My sheep recognize my voice. And in that way, Jesus is opening us to a multilingual invitation to love, a love that expands beyond. So the, may, may the murmurations of your heart be heard this day by the Good Shepherd, and may the whisper of God be heard within you.